Good morning. We're talking with Chris Hicks from the Smith County UT Extension Service. and We're going to be talking about one of those favorite things that everyone has in their yard, their garden, in their pastures, in their cropland. Weeds. And they talk to you, according to Chris. Uh, okay, if we see weeds, what are we really seeing? What, what, what are they telling us? Well, uh, to me, I always use the analogy that weeds are kind of like the disease that, that your kids get. Uh, you know, I, I've got three daughters, and when they get sick, uh, they have a fever, and I go to the doctor's office with those kids, and the, the doctor doesn't say, your kids have a, f- a, a disease called fever. They say they have a disease called ear infection, and the fever is the symptom. To me, weeds are a symptom of a larger problems, and we have weeds that are a symptom of low fertility. We have weeds that are a symptom of soil compaction, uh, low pH, overgrazing. If we're talking about pastures, maybe mowing too close if we're talking about a lawn. So to me, weeds indicate a disease more than they are the disease themselves. And if we don't treat that disease, we're going to continue to have weeds, even if we spray year after year. Okay, and like in a garden, when we have our crop or beans or whatever, and we go in there and there they are. Is that because there's something wrong with the soil, you think? Sure, and, and gardens are a little bit different than, than maybe some other situations. But to me, uh, certainly in the garden, the more competitive you can keep those crops, the better off. So we talk about soil testing and getting that fertility where it needs to be, and then eliminating soil compaction because I see some problems sometimes where we've overwatered our garden and, and maybe we've got a soil compaction problem. And there's certain weeds, I think of goosegrass in particular as one, that really like compacted soil soil and that can be a problem in a lot of garden spots that i see okay that goose grass you talked sure. about is it one of the most uh, invasive well it depends on depends on your perspective and, and what crop you're talking about uh, i think certainly in gardens uh, goose grass crab grass they're they're pretty rough uh, it depends on, again, your perspective. If I talk to my wildlife friends, they would tell me, hey, we hate tall fescue. But, of course, in our pastures and our lawns, we love tall fescue. Um, to me, if I had to, to, to name a few, I, I think in, in pastures, horse nettle, ironweed, broom sedge is something that we deal a lot with. Uh, if I had to pick one overall kind of most invasive, I'm probably going to pick uh, Chinese privet, which has just taken the country. It's a, it's a woody uh, plant from Asia, obviously, as the name would indicate, that is really aggressive and can really invade a place very quickly. Okay, you you mentioned a moment ago uh, soil. So, how can soil be the problem? What you, compaction you mentioned sure. is there? Are there other problems? Sure, uh, I, I, low nitrogen. Uh, you'll see low nitrogen levels causing clover. If you've got a lot of clover in your yard. Uh, that that could be an in issue that or an indication that you have low levels of nitrogen. Of course, we like clover in pastures, but in pastures there are other weeds that kind of indicate a problem. I mentioned broom sedge, which is one that we get a lot of questions about, and uh, a lot of the old timers will tell you, well, if you have broom sedge, that means you need to lime, and in a lot of cases that's the case. In a lot of cases, low pH, meaning your soil is very acidic, is is a really good opportunity to broom, for broom sedge to pop up. But also low levels of phosphorus and potash can can lead to broom sedge and other weeds. So poor fertility really plays a part. And that's why we at the UT Extension Office encourage people, whatever you're growing, whether it's a garden, your lawn, pasture, field crops, do a soil test. 
uh, spend the $15 that it costs to, to send some soil to the lab and get it analyzed so you know what nutrients you have. And when you know what nutrients you have, you know what nutrients you need to add. That's correct. Uh, weed killer. These things are a problem. You you mentioned that we can do it by adjusting the soil pH, by uh, the fertilization mm-hmm. of the soil and stuff. But what about a weed killer? Once they're there, you got to get rid of them. Sure, sure. And and most people, nine times out of ten, when they come into the extension office, they want to know, what is this? What do I spray? They, they don't want to hear my spiel about uh, trying to alleviate soil compaction or fertility. And we can recommend weed control products, but we really need to match the weed control product, the herbicide, to the weeds we're trying to kill. I, I tell my farmers all the time, the most expensive herbicide is the one that doesn't work. Amen. So you, you go to the store and you buy a herbicide that you think is cheap and it doesn't work. Well, you've wasted money. So sometimes you have to spend a little extra to get a product that has actually been researched at the University of Tennessee or maybe some other university to show that, yes, this product will work. Okay. So if they come into your office or any of the UT Extension offices around the region and ask or bring in one and say, hey, what do I need to do to yeah. kill this? Then you can help them with that. Most of the times we can we can identify it that way. Now, if, if, if it's been sitting on the dash of the truck for three or four days, it might look kind of rough. So we need fresh samples. But usually we can identify those in the office. If we can't, we can take photos and send that to our specialists. We have specialists in Nashville, specialists in Knoxville who have PhDs in weeds and other other similar crops and, and things and we can send those pictures to them and get a diagnosis if we can identify it in the local office okay okay we're going to we got a yard and we're you know we have a weed problem and we come to you and you tell us that we need to spray this but what if we have pets great question and that's one we get a lot and what i always tell people is number one read the label the label for, for all the questions that you have about about the product, the label is going to be your go-to source, much more than I, because as we say, the label is the law. So whatever that label says is what you go by. And usually that label will say if there's a restriction on pets or humans, you know, same deal with your kids. You don't want them in the yard if it could cause a, a health problem to them. So look at that label. If it's not on the label, then just to be on the safe side, I tell people, make sure the product is dried completely before you let your pets out there so they're not licking that, that wet grass from herbicide. But if it's not on the label, then that means it's, it's probably going to generally be safe after it's dried. Well, thank you, Chris. Sure. We learned about weeds today. And uh, the way I look at it, it's a plant that's not where it's supposed to be. That's the definition. That's the definition. And uh, uh, please uh, uh, let your listeners out there know that they can contact, uh, contact uh, their local extension office. We'd be glad to help them. Thank you. Thank you.